0: Welcome to the Becoming Titans podcast. I'm Russ Yeager, founder and CEO of Body Transformation University. I help busy business owners and executives get a beach ready body without killing themselves in the gym hours every day, giving up the foods they love, or taking away time from their family or business. I believe putting your health first is the most important thing you can do to propel your business and financial success, ignite passion in your relationships, and to live a happier, more fulfilled life. Stick around to the end of the show, and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing inspirational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go.
1: Hi, welcome to Becoming Titans podcast. And today we have Eric Fakus here with us. Eric, could you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. So thanks for having me, first of all. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm the CEO and founder of Media Cause, and we are a nonprofit marketing agency uh, that uh, looks like a, a traditional digital marketing agency. Um, we just happen to do it for nonprofits.
1: Um, how difficult is that with nonprofits? Because well, prof- nonprofits are profitable businesses, but a lot of times um, they have limited budgets as well. Um, do you find that that's a problem with what you um, do with them?
2: It's certainly one of the challenges that a lot of nonprofits face. But I think one of the myths out there is that nonprofits don't have money to invest in, in marketing. And there's certainly a lot that do. So um, we like know, the we NFL. Do- <laughs> like the NFL. I think they're no longer a nonprofit now. They oh they've, really? <laughs> yeah, they decided to become a, a for profit as they are a, a for profit.
1: Right, they definitely are.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really important for us to serve both sides of the the market. So um, you know, we've sort of segmented our business into tiers where we have services that make sense for small nonprofits or community-based organizations that need help for $500 a month or $1,000 a month. And we've developed impactful solutions for them. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have clients that are a hundred plus million dollar a year organizations. They're just working on important social issues and they have plenty of money to spend. They just need people to understand their world uh, that they operate in. So
1: that's pretty amazing. So, um how did you get into this this is really a particular niche that I would imagine a lot of marketers would not gravitate towards.
2: Yeah, that's it's correct, I think. Um so how I got into it, I spent a decade plus in the for-profit marketing world and uh was working at Google 2004 to 2008. And absolutely loved what I did sort of at the pinnacle of where you would want to be as a digital marketer back at that uh, time. Got to Google right before it IPO'd. Um, a wonderful company to work with, surrounded by incredibly talented employees um, in what was probably the best company in, in the world in that field at that time and felt really unfulfilled. And at the end of the day, went home, um, you know, not feeling great about um, what I was doing with my life and how I was choosing to spend my days and really had this time to reflect and and thought about um, if I could do anything, what would it be? And ultimately what it came down to was I loved what I did. I just wanted to use those skills to help organizations that were making the world a better place. And um, that manifested itself into what I do now. It took a little time to get there, But over the course of a couple of years of exploration and even experiment, um, landed at a a point where I was running a a, a business catering specifically to to nonprofits and learning the ins and outs of how it all works and how to make money in the space and how to build a real business in, in, in doing something that I loved, helping people that are making the world a better place.
1: Because of Covid, I would imagine nonprofits may or may not be struggling. Um, what has happened in that space uh, for your clients and for yourself?
2: Yeah, um, last year was crazy um as an entrepreneur, um obviously, from all of our perspectives, um, you know, just sort of surviving through a global pandemic and a global recession was was challenging. Uh, for our clients specifically there were some very um, tough challenges um, all events went away back in April um, nonprofits rely um, a, a whole lot on in-person fundraisers whether that's run walk rides galas you um, you know, museums, uh, exhibits, um, you know, those sorts of things. So we started to see some challenges emerge in April of last year and um, and tried to get ahead of it and tried to, tried to be uh, as accommodating as we could to our partners and reached out uh, to our clients. I wrote a letter to them and just said, hey, this is not the time for us to enforce contracts. This is not the time for us to you know, keep you beholden to a deal if you're struggling. So we wanna be a good partner through this time. Um, what we can offer you is the ability to pause any contract that you'd like, um, but we'd also like to offer you free support if you're struggling to fundraise, even if we might, we, not, we, not, we might not be a fundraising vendor of yours, but if you're struggling with messaging through COVID or you need help uh, digitizing your events, those sorts of things, we can offer that help as well. And um, what happened was it looked like um, overnight, but over the course of a week, um, half of our clients said, thank you so much for the offer. We'd like to pause um, our contracts together. And uh, we were faced with the reality of running what was a growing business to, you know, cutting our, um, our revenue in half on um, a short period of time. Wow. And uh, that was the start of COVID for us.
1: Wow. That had to be pretty, uh, very uncertain, of course, and scary. Um, and uh, of course, little did we know how long this would be. It's such a long haul of a thing. Um, what were, did you find a creative way to resolve some of these issues?
2: Yeah. So, um, absolutely. Uh, the, it, it's a happy, there's a happy ending to the story.
1: Yay. Um, we love happy endings.
2: <laughs> so, um, you know, I think first and foremost, we decided to be as helpful as we possibly could. You know, we were certainly facing business struggles, but so were so many others. And um, we, we knew we weren't alone and we knew we were in a position to help others. So um, we decided to take the time that we had, uh, the newfound time, because clients needed a bit of a break to reassess and offer free help to nonprofits that weren't our clients. So we posted office hours online and just said, if anyone needs help messaging through this, sign up for an office hours and any number of our executives or senior account directors, will set up time to just brainstorm with you, to talk to you, to to tell you what we're seeing. And um, a whole lot of organizations took us up on that. And that
1: is a very generous offer. Well, we had. I love that we, attitude. I love that.
2: We, the last thing we wanted to do was lay our staff off, right? So mm-hmm. we sort of prioritized as an organization that we weren't going to let anyone go. So we had a team that was in place that was being half used. And why not figure out how to make ourselves useful was the suggestion that, uh, or the solution that we came up with.
1: And by paying it forward to these organizations, did it come back to you in a lot of different ways?
2: Absolutely, not not directly. Uh, You know, we weren't fishing for clients. We were trying trying to be helpful, truly. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly, the karma came back. Uh, A lot of our existing clients um, raised their hand and said, "Hey, um, there's actually I need more help right now." So, you know, not the ones that paused, but coming up with solutions to how do we support uh, frontline workers or global health issues, and so a whole bunch of clients needed more help. Um, and a handful of new clients that we hadn't met yet kind of came along and said that they needed help. And, um, you know, it didn't take too long for us to bounce back to, to where we were over the course of about, um, four or five months, we were able to recover from, from where we were, a whole bunch of clients came back. They had sort of taken a, a two month pause and they came right back to us after things had settled a little bit. And, um, yeah, we were able to finish the the year on with our best quarter ever in Q- Q four of last year, and um, and on top of that, we actually won an award from Inc. Magazine for best in business for the marketing category for how we handled the challenges of
1: the, the year. Congratulations! Thank you. That's pretty exciting. Never in a million years could you imagine, from the beginning of COVID, to get to the the award from Inc. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty amazing. It really absolutely. shows that, you know, the go-giver heart um, makes a really big impact within your personal world and everybody else's that you touch. Yeah. Thank you. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Um, so what has it been like to manage all this while being at home with your family? Cause you have two beautiful kids. I saw on Instagram. I think it was, I was researching you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, um, for, for us, it's been great. You know, we've had more family time together than we've ever had. Um, and so it's sort of been priceless to be able to to work from home, have them uh, on Zoom for school and take breaks during the day. Um, you know, we, we eat dinner together every night. We never did that when I was commuting back from San Francisco to, to where I live. And, you know, so um, we've definitely taken it in stride and, you know, there's certainly been challenges of not seeing loved ones outside of our home and friends and and all of that. Like many others, it's been, you know, challenging to be somewhat isolated. Um, But yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful for, for us to be able to spend so much quality time together as well.
1: Were you, did you have any, um, major zoom accidents, um, because the, because the kids were at home.
2: <laughs> no, but you know, there's plenty of unexpected visitors on zoom calls at any <laughs> moment. My kids might walk in here and say, hi, um, <laughs> but I feel like that's just part of what we all live with these days, you know, working at home and, um, you know, it is, is very acceptable, uh, you know, so It's actually been nice when you see you get I've met more of my employees and and clients and and coworkers, kids over the last couple of months because we all have uh, more people in our house than, you know, we would typically during the day.
1: I really feel like Zoom has connected the world together and really gotten people to know who they, you know, know each other where you're so busy just doing your work and going about your day that you really don't get to know each other and go, wow, this is a person. They do have another life outside of our company.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've done some fun stuff, um, you know, different virtual events as a team. You know, we have happy hours where people get together um, and just, you know, kind of hang out uh, on Zoom. It's not the same as being in an office and and doing things together. But, um, you know, I feel like everyone's trying to trying to make do, and um, yeah, it's just, you know, spending time together, really.
1: So you have something new. Did this come up during this time during COVID, the RiseUpFellows.com?
2: Yeah. So I'm actually wearing the t-shirt right now. You can see Rise nice. up Nice. So um, during the middle of the summer, um, you know, after the pandemic broke, we were also faced with uh, a, a whole lot of challenges um, brought to, to light around racial justice in this country, yeah. which uh, we were sadly reminded of when we witnessed the, the murder of George, George Floyd in Minnesota and the, the protests that ensued. Um, like many, um, you know, we were saddened and shocked and um, as an organization trying to figure out what our role was in racial justice. And um, the brainstorm session sort of led back to, well, let's control what we can control. Um, we are a digital marketing agency and, um, and let's take a look at ourselves and let's take a look at the industry. And um, as we did, um, we really recognized that the digital marketing industry is overwhelmingly white. Yes, it is. Um, compared to other industries in our country. And we started to ask questions about why, and um, where we landed with that was really around opportunity. Um, digital marketing is generally something that's not taught in school. There are some classes, but you know most marketing majors have a few classes in in digital, but by no means are you ready to uh, start a job when when you graduate. If if you did graduate. So it sort of creates a scenario where you really need to know somebody to get in to to the industry Mm -hmm. or you need to pay for a whole lot of training and certifications to be able to say that you can do the job. And um, that was just a level of uh, inequality that we recognized and said, um, you know, this is actually something that we can do something about. Um, We have particular challenges for ourselves um, when we aim to hire new people to join in that if someone hasn't done the job before we, we generally would say, no, we, um, we have to hire someone that can do the job and that created a scenario in within our own agency that uh, we didn't have the diversity that we wanted. Our agency itself didn't look like the population in the U S entirely. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that was something that we wanted to do something about. So, um, So we created a a fellowship program that sort of flips the the script of learning. So first of all, we pay people to learn.
1: Uh, Nice.
2: From an opportunity standpoint, um, that's what you need. You know, there's a whole lot of people in this country that would love to become digital marketers and get into this industry. Um, But we need jobs. We need to pay our rent. Um, We need to pay for, for food. And, uh, and that creates this sense where if you didn't sort of have the opportunity to take a free internship or pay for yourself for training, that you can't get your foot into the door. So we said, um, we're going to pay people for four months to, to be part of this program. So, you know, they can quit um, the, the restaurant job or the gig employment that they had um, so that they can dedicate the time to actually learn. Um, and then we also pay for training. We um, have all of the courses that people need, all the hard skills that you can learn, like search engine marketing and social media and Facebook ads um, and SEO and those sorts of things. These courses cost money, so we pay for that as well. Um, we also pay for people to get an at-home office setup, so not just a computer, a computer, but a twenty-seven-inch monitor, nice. a desk, a chair all the things that you need to set up an actual office environment in your home, which so many of us sort of take for granted that we have a place in our home. We have the equipment that we need uh, to, in order to take a job these days. So we set people up with that. Um, And, um, and then the next thing we decided to do was to say, okay, well um, what, what else is missing from a candidate? Like what would they need to know for us to actually be able to, to hire them? So outside of the, set up and the hard skills that you need to to know. There's the soft skills. How do you manage relationships with customers? How do you project manage things? Um, And those were all trainings that we have built in-house at our agency. And and so we were able to combine that with the, the hard skills that you need. And then the last thing we identified was experience. So great, you've done it all online, you've you've read all the books, you've watched all the videos, um, you sort of know how to do it, but until you start doing it, um, you really don't know how to do it. And it's hard for them, for anyone to get a job without any level of experience. And so we tried to combine what we were doing uh, through offering free services to nonprofits during the pandemic. Uh, with the idea of individuals needing experience. And so we started offering pro bono services to nonprofits that needed help getting set up with a Google ad grant, for example. And and we were able to do that pairing our fellows with a mentor that does this for a living to ensure that they were learning and the quality was, was really high level. Um, and so we were able to offer these pre- pro bono services, use it as a lear- learning experience for the fellows, and uh, really sort of you know combine those two to you know to to teach people while providing great services.
1: How much time does it take to because? they don't have the experience, you go through the program, but like you said, to do the work is a wholly, totally different thing. How much time do you have to spend with them when you're you know, offering these free services for people? Obviously, you want them to have really great service. There's got to be a lot of dynamics there when you're first starting out to get things running smoothly. What's that look like between you and your person who's in the fellowship?
2: Yeah, so the first step was training uh, before getting involved with a nonprofit's account. We spent two months. Uh, the first half of the program was really just learning. Um, and there was a little bit of shadowing as well, um, observing some of the work that was done. Um, and so that's important to note that there was two months of learning before an individual could dive in to actually do the work. Um, and then at that point, um, you know, we really leveraged like the process um, that we had built for our agency. So we've created formulas for people to, to follow. We have internal guidebooks that people look at in order to set up a Google ad grant account, you know, so they can follow step by step and then have their mentor check in with them every day. You know, it was a half hour check in every day to look at what they'd done to provide feedback and really make sure that it was good quality work and that they were actually learning how to do things the, the right way.
1: I have see so many possibilities with this, as I'm sure you guys do. <laughs> this is really an exciting project that you have. Um, I can see where you could train up a lot of future marketers that could either work for other marketers or, you know, of course, build their own business and then being able to bring other people up underneath them. You're changing the world. That's, that's pretty amazing. The opportunities that you're creating, how many people, um, can you do at one time? How many fellowships can you do at one time?
2: So we're, we've started with what we can handle. We had three um, go through the first cohort and successfully com- complete it. And actually, two of them we hired full time at the end. Uh, the third decided to go back and pursue some design courses um, to to combine creative with what they had learned on the, the search and nice. marketing side. Um, but they were someone that we would have loved to hire as well. They were they were awesome. It just wasn't really the path that they wanted to pursue.
1: So. Um, can you see this being where you um, are training these people up, and then you're 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 the source to where marketers come to hire these people?
2: We would absolutely love to head in that direction. That's really the second phase, because uh, it's hard
1: where, to find good employees. Just saying for marketing.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly where our our thoughts headed. Um, And so next steps for us, we'd love to raise some money from the foundation to really build more of the infrastructure here. Um, We've built a really nice shell. We have the capacity to handle about three at a time, but until we actually build, we hire a program director Mm -hmm. full-time that also has experience with workforce development and placement. um, We won't be able to, to bring on more, Um, because we want to be able to put these people in a position to succeed at the end of the fellowship. So we're just starting to approach foundations right now to raise more money. We put in $100,000 of our own money to get it started Mm -hmm. and thousands of hours uh, uh, on our team. I can't
1: even imagine the hours.
2: (laughs) And so um, we have this funded for another six months going at the pace that we're building it at. Um, But the hope is that we'll be able to bring on partners, um, you know, either other agencies that say, hey, we need to hire 10 people this year, and we're willing to pay for people to go through your training program if we have some say in who those candidates are. Uh, Or foundation partners that have goals around diversity, that have goals around workforce development, that want to continue to invest in this. And if we're able to do that, then we think we actually can really make a meaningful impact of diversity in our industry.
1: So if somebody might not be able to use uh, the people that you're training, but would like to invest in the business and donate money, that's okay too, right?
2: Absolutely. We'd be happy, <laughs> happy to take a, a donation.
1: Okay, people, you heard that. Um, uh, open up those wallets and um, let's uh, send our love. <laughs>
2: RiseUpfellows.com is uh is uh, that's our website where anyone could apply, but also to, to donate. you could actually also buy one of these cool t-shirts there to support the program as well.
1: Well, I love what you have created out of um, this COVID situation. This is really super fantastic. I mean, you really do exemplify the go-giver heart um, just from the beginning of giving your, Clients the opportunity to get out of their contracts, and then offering them free services on top of that, and then creating this. Um, Eric, you are an amazing person. You are a titan. Thank you. you. Appreciate
2: that.
1: Thank you for being on our show. Is there any other way that people can get in contact with you um, that may want to work with you, a nonprofit that may want to do business with you, or um, just to get connected?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free to, to find me on LinkedIn, uh, E-R-I-C, Eric Fakas, F-A-C-A-S. Um, one of the benefits of having a last name that most people mispronounce is it's easy to find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I think I'm the only one. So uh, please, yeah, reach out if uh, we could work together in any way.
1: All right. Thank you, Eric, so much for adding so much value to our listeners.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Russ Yeager here. Thanks so much for listening to the Becoming Titans podcast. If you're a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or executive, consider your company as having a true purpose and would like to be a guest on this program, please visit rushyeager.com forward slash apply. And hey, if you got value out of the interview today, I'd be so grateful if you simply would share it on your favorite social media platform. And if you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, tag them on social media to let them know about it and include hashtag becoming titans. I love seeing you guys posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and really mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more about what I do, go to russyeager.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram all under my name. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome day and we'll see you next time.